In today's show, we're going to be talking small forward tiers for fantasy basketball. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Last, last week we did point guard tiers, we did shooting guard tiers. Today it's small forwards. Then it'll be power forwards, and then it'll be centers. They're all coming out in the next 24 to 48 hours. So uh, be ready to check those out. And I'm going to be talking tears again with the man who writes them over at Basketball Monster, Matt Smith. Matt, welcome back to the show. Charlie, how are you? I'm, uh, I'm good. I'm ready to go. We're ready to bang out a few tears shows here today. We're going to smash out. The last three of them today, and they're going to be released over those next 48 hours, as I just mentioned to everybody. If you want to hear what we're talking about with tiers and what that means, you can go back to the point guard one. But just briefly, this does not mean what round you draft these guys in. Um, it does not mean you necessarily have to even take these guys in this order. It's all dependent on your team, your build, what you're doing, your, your the structure of your league, the ADPs, where you can get them in drafts. This is just sort of putting guys into groups where you can consider them, but you might take a guy in tier seven ahead of a guy in tier five because that tier five guy might slide down in drafts. So that, that's something to be aware of. But Matt, let's um, let's get into talking about uh, small forwards. Let's go with tier one of a small forward, a bloke who's probably going to play you know, a lot of power forward this year. But Kevin Durant stands alone at the top of the small forward tier. Yeah, he sure does. And we saw last season how he responded from his Achilles injury and then um, incredible Olympic tournament as well. Um, I like him in that sort of six, seven, eight range um, in redraft legs this season. And yeah, should be um, back to his best again in another strong season. Yeah, Durant was the fourth ranked player on a per game basis last year. Of course, he missed a bunch of time with those hamstring problems. I wouldn't take him in the top four or five. To me, you're right. He's in that sort of seven, six, seven type of range yeah, behind Jokic, Harden, Curry, Towns, Lillard, Giannis. How, how would you view sort of if you're in picking in that area, you're down to a Doncic versus a Durant there? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, uh, I haven't thought too much about that second half. I'd probably lean Luca, I think, just because I like those, you know, maybe eight to 10 more games that he might play than a Kevin Durant. I think Durant and Tatum will be close on a total value. Um, I'm expecting Tatum to play once again, maybe eight, 10, 12 more games than Kevin Durant. Um, but there's no wrong pick there. So, yeah, I wouldn't be too concerned and losing too much sleep about whether you're going to draft Durant, Tatum, Paul George, or Luca. Well, let's let's move in and talk about the guy in Tier 2, and that is by, by himself, Jason Tatum, who, again, is probably a guy that we're looking at in that yeah, nine, nine to twelve range. I don't think he should be falling out of any first rounds. His ADP, his rank on Yahoo's at ten. He's at eight on ESPN. I think he's around, around that area, that nine, nine, ten type of zone. I guess the question a lot of people are going to be asking is, do you take the risk on Embiid? Do you take the risk on Durant? Do you go with Bradley Beal or Jason Tatum? 
in that area. But I think, you know, people always ask me this question. I'm sure, mate, you get this question tons of times. You say, what do I do at pick six? What do I do here? And in the end, like your first round pick, it doesn't, unless you completely screw it up, and it's, most of the times the screw up is due to a an injury that you can't foresee. I did have someone tell me, though, that their mate was going to take Zach Levine number one overall, and that's a screw up by doing that in your first round. But you can't really get it wrong. So I think he's in that zone, in that 9, nine 10, 11, but has to be a first round player. Yeah, he's definitely in that zone. And yeah, like we mentioned, if you toggle um, from per game value to total value, then he might come um, ahead in front of like a Kevin Durant, um, Joel Embiid as well. So um, yeah, really nice starting piece. And what you can do after that first round is there's so many good players in that second round. So whether you do go Durant or Tatum, um, Carl Anthony Towns, Joel Embiid, and then you've got guys like Jimmy Butler, Lamelo Ball, Fred Van Vliet, um, Zach Levine, um, Lamelo Ball, I think I'm sorry I said him um, in that second round. Or if you go small, then you've got you know maybe an Anthony Davis, a Bam, Nikola Vucevic, um, who you compare with. So I think that's a really good way to bookend your team. Absolutely. Let's go to tier three of our small forwards now. And again, the the, the difference here between you know, these tiers, like we're talking about guys who could all legitimately be first round players, yet we're in tier three here. We've got Paul George and Jimmy Butler. I personally would just lean George more here. I worry more about Butler and his injuries. I worry that Butler's numbers, especially from last year, were inflated by an astronomically high steal rate. And yeah, I think George's steals actually dropped and yeah, that, those two things could switch and George goes up and Butler's come down and then there becomes a bit of a gulf between these two. But these are guys that, yeah, I think Paul George at the end of the first round is probably right. Butler at the start of the second round is probably right. But there's not, there's not huge differences between the two. No, there's not. And I completely agree. I'd take Paul George first as well. If Kawhi Leonard was healthy for the season, maybe it'd be a different story. But Paul George is going to have a huge season. And the same with Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry now in town. So that may take a little bit of um, pressure um, away from, from Butler. Um, so yeah, Paul George for me at the end of the first and then Jimmy Butler sliding into the second. Why do you think sites continue to put Paul George down so low. 26 on ESPN, 20th on Yahoo. It makes no sense to me. It makes no sense to me either. And I have no idea, Josh. And that's why I don't read anything into ADPs either because they're completely correlated. If Matthew Delavadova was ranked at number one on Yahoo, he'd have an ADP in the top three because of all the auto picks and people just, you know, seeing names and drafting off, off names. So, um, that's why I completely use our projections, Josh, and trust everything we do at basketballmonster.com. Yeah, look, there is that. That's true. Like, and I did that on the points mock earlier this week. Like, De'Aaron Fox had like a forty-five ADP, and I took him in the second round because I go, oh, I think he's going to be a top twenty-five points guy, so I'll just take him there. And you got to try and weigh it up between how much are the people in your league going to be viewing the list that's in front of them on the site and the ADPs that are there. And are you going to allow this guy to fall? So if you have someone as the 40th best player and their ADP is 90, you don't wait till 90, but you probably don't take them at 40. Maybe you take them at 55. Maybe you try and extract 10, 20 spots of value out of them. So it is a little bit of a guessing game of trying to work out where to take that guy, but you can't just fully rely upon ADP. Because there'll be other people in your league who will jump ahead of that spot. And I think that's uh, it's important to, to note. It's also important to note that if you are in a situation where your TV is just there's so many devices or so many different logins that you need. You've got live sport in one spot and then TV shows in another area. And then you've got highlights you watch on your phone. All that stuff. It's just so much clutter. You need to get it all together. And the best way to get it all together 
All that entertainment you love is with a new product called Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and TV shows all in the one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there is no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required and content varies by package. Matt, your package for tier four for small forwards. We have got um, LeBron James and uh, Maga Porter Jr. in that mix. Uh, LeBron's ranking ADP is sky high, so he's probably not going to fall to this area. But is this disrespectful to LeBron to have him this far down? Um, I don't think so. Once again, looking at our projections, he is a little bit further down, largely because of his free throw percentage. Um, we know that can be a drain. If you do want to pair him with, um, you know, a Luca or a Giannis, then you can bump him up uh, probably into the, the tier above. But that's why he's down a little bit further. And Michael Porter Jr. Um, should be in for another really strong season. Hopefully he can take another step forward. And if you do value um, field goal percentage in particular, someone who can shoot sort of 52 to 54% from the field, plug him in that small forward position can be extremely valuable. Um, along with those points, threes, and rebounds. If he can get to a steal and block as well, then who knows where he might finish at the end of the season. Yeah, both of these guys are really high field goal percentage players. Yeah, a lot of people saying, oh, I'm going to avoid Michael Porter because uh, he hasn't been vaccinated. Look, we don't know that. Yeah, he's had some questionable COVID thoughts in the past. We just don't know if that's the case that he is unvaccinated or what's happening. And I wouldn't be making my draft judgments off assuming that someone is doing that. Now, if we do find out that that's the case, then sure, because that might mean that they miss you know, 10 to 15 games or 20 games and they can't play in Brooklyn against the Knicks and they can't play against the Warriors because of local council uh, ordinances that they're not allowed into the arena. And that, that is absolutely something that you need to pay attention to if you know that. But you don't know that. I don't know that. Matt, you don't know that, do you? I don't know that, but I love how seriously people are taking it when they're starting to look at whether players have been vaccinated, <laughs> vaccinated or not. Yeah, I'm avoiding that's just, that's avoiding just the next shooter. level. That's yeah. awesome. So, uh, I've had multiple. Have you got a list of unvaccinated players? Like yeah. this list does not exist. I, I don't have one. I'm definitely avoiding Dennis Schroeder. Well, you should probably just avoid him anyway, but not because of his uh, his alleged vaccination status. Let's go to tier five, Matty. Three guys in this group. Who have we got? Yeah, Chris Middleton, OG Anobi, and Brandon Ingram. So a little bit of a, a mixture here. Chris Middleton, um, super solid across the board production. Can't go wrong there. OG Anobi, he's a little bit higher than maybe people think because of his elite steal. So I definitely wouldn't be paying top price um, for his inflated steals. So just be aware of that. And Brandon Ingram um, took a massive step forward last season. Um, once again, pretty safe. Um, good points. The free throw percentage really jumped up. Um, but I think at this range with categorical and positional scarcity, I think we might be able to use that pick a little bit better than drafting Brandon Ingram um, sort of in that 40 to 50 range. Oh, you don't like Ingram in this range? See, I'll probably have Ingram ahead of OG, to be honest. Okay, why is that? Um, just getting that level of scoring is, t- is tough to do. Like Ananobi, I think Ananobi is going to take a step forward this year in usage, um, but a lot of his value does come from the highest steals, and I think that that can inflate where he sits, where it's just getting a 20-point scorer who's, I don't think there's much downside or much upside for Ingram, personally. Um, same with Middleton. I think they're just going to be bang sort of in this area. Um, and it, it depends what you've done earlier on in the draft as well, whereas Ananobi is going to be a lower scorer than these two guys, but you're bringing more defensively. And that's where we look at these guys. And they're in that same area, but it does depend on, on what you're looking for specifically. And I just think finding that level of scoring is a little bit harder to do later on. Hypothetically, mate, do you take Brandon Ingram or Devin Booker? 
Whew. Again, that they're different positions, so that'll depend a little bit on what I've done earlier on. Um, I think Booker's got more upside there because if Chris Paul misses 20 games, then you'll see Booker have a spike in assist numbers and usage will go up. So I probably would take Devin Booker there. Yep, very cool. Just, just because I think there's a little bit more scope for him to improve. Yes. Um, whereas Ingram, I, I, look, maybe if Zion goes down, but I don't think that Ingram then you know, all of a sudden becomes a top 20 player. Whereas Booker's got that ability that if Chris Paul misses a bunch of time for that period, Booker will jump into that top 20 type area. That's that's how I would see that. Who would you take? Um, I, I agree with you. I hate agreeing with you, Josh, because it makes for a boring podcast, but... Um, I would take Devin Booker as well. We, we need to find something we disagree on. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll find something. I'm sure we'll find something in this uh, in this show. Let's say uh, tier six. One bloke sits here on his own. Gordon Haywood. Um, yeah, look, obviously there is that concern that he will get hurt. There's always something weird going on, but that doesn't mean that it's going to happen as we move forward. But you know, he's he's fine in this area. I think he's getting a little bit underrated because of the past injuries. Like he is basically 70th on uh, Yahoo, and I think he's a better player than that. He is a better player than that. Yeah, I'm not going out of my way to draft um, Gordon Haywood. Had those durability concerns in the past. Um, but if you miss out on a Chris Middleton in a tier earlier, then yeah, Gordon Haywood's not a bad um, backup. Let's go to tier seven. And one of your blokes sits here on his own. Now, he is laughably ranked. I wrote an article about this on Basketball Monch yesterday about ESPN sleepers. And McCall Bridges, if I bring up the, where's the number? He's ranked like 180th or something, 145th on ESPN. Now, that is obviously a laugh. Um, and they have, weirdly, this is a thing, and I should mention this. ESPN has two separate ranking lists, which is great. Points League ranking list and a Roto head-to-head category ranking list. The problem is you go into a draft and the players are sorted by their Points League rankings. So Bridges is sitting down at 145 which is clear insanity. Um, I like Bridges. I think there's more to his game. But Matt, is there any chance that he can actually show that this season in Phoenix? Yeah, there definitely is. I'd really like to see him take a jump in, in a couple of areas in particular, one of those being rebounds. If he can get to sort of six, seven rebounds per game, that's going to really boost his value. And the other is threes. If he can get, you know, two, two and a half threes per game, um, throw in the good steals, throw in the good blocks, throw in the elite efficiency that you get from a wing, um, then that could really boost Mikael Bridges' um, value. I'll tell you the other thing he can do is, and you'll, you'll know about this from watching him more than I do because you're a Suns fan, he's, he can pass. Um, he's not going to get many of those opportunities because Paul and Booker are going to be doing that, but he can actually initiate a little bit of offense. It's probably, yeah, this is two years away maybe when Chris Paul's non-guaranteed year gets cut or whatever happens there with Phoenix down, down the path, and then he becomes more of a secondary creator. But he can pass a little bit. And I wouldn't be shocked that at some point, maybe it's four years in the future, that he averages four, four and a half assists. Yeah, that's a fair call. And what he did towards the end of last season in the playoffs is instead of just being that knockdown corner three-point shooter, he was starting to get into the paint, developed a nice little floater as well. So his offensive game is still expanding and that's only going to be uh, um, mean better things for his fantasy value as well. He's one of those guys as well that if you look at nine cat rankings, he gets yeah, pushed through the roof because he averages zero turnovers a game, basically. So just be wary. That might have him at like 35 or something. And you don't want to take McCall Bridges at number 35 in a draft. That's that's one of those cases. When someone's best category or equal best category is turnovers, it really does uh, significantly influence where, that, uh, where, where they sit in those numbers. Let's look at tier eight. Now, I've, I've got this guy here just for the purpose of us discussing this, Matt, because you know, you, you're, the tears that you wrote up on Basketball Monster was done before the injury news came out on Tony Warren. 
He is out indefinitely with that foot um, which has not healed after having the stress fracture at the start of January. He is a guy who historically has just been a painfully slow healer. You would, again, remember this from his time in Phoenix when he had that mystery not concussion head injury that kept him out for months and then an ankle injury that kept him out for literally a whole season, basically, and we just never heard what the hell was wrong with it. And now this foot fracture, which should have been healed, is not, and we don't know when he's coming back. So is TJ Warren a draftable player to you? Um, In standard leagues, no. I'd completely avoid. Um, Like I said, we just have no idea now and the word indefinitely is just a massive red flag when it comes to fantasy. We have no idea when he'll be back, whether it be this side of, um, you know, Christmas or, or the other side, whether that pushes into the all-star break, who knows? So um, if you are drafting TJ Warren, you're going to need at least two IR spots and even more because he's going to be sitting there for, you know, probably a couple of months just off the top of my head. And then you're going to need another one for all those niggling week-to-week, day-to-day type of injuries. So you've already used up, you know, half of your IR spots. So um, that's why, for me, I'd be avoiding him, wait until we get a bit more of a definitive timetable, um, and then we can reassess. Exactly. There's no chance I'm drafting TJ Warren at this point. He might be back in January, February. Like, I've got no idea. Then when he comes back, he's going to be limited. There's no way... Unless we hear in the next week, oh no, he's actually right for training camp, which again, for them to put that update out now, it makes me think that it's not going particularly well. Um, So this is important to note that he is here in this tier because on a per game basis, this is sort of where we had him, but do not look at him in this area. I think Justin Holiday just steps into that. A lot of people think, oh, Chris Duarte is now a draft tool player. I'm not sure that's the case. I think that Holiday's state now plays 30 plus minutes. You get Duarte, you get Brissett, you get um, uh, McConnell getting a little bit of boost there off the bench as well. And why Duarte might play 21 minutes a night you know, for that time that Warren's out. It's not going to... It, Duarte was a point guard at Oregon. He's not wasn't a small forward. While he get a little bit of a boost, he's not going to be enough to be a, a standard league guy. But I think that's important for us to, to mention there about Tony Warren and just uh, bring up that latest injury news. Now, tier nine, we've got two guys here who are not particularly high scorers, Matt, but they contribute in other areas. Yeah, they definitely do. We know Robert Covington um, is a very, very um, useful defensive player with those block steals. Also, the threes. I know he got burnt by a lot of people last season, but I still really like him in this range. Um, and Kyle Anderson, um, nothing overly sexy here. The you know four to four and a half assists per game, assists per game, um, can be useful. Um, but like you said, the lack of scoring in both of them uh, means you really need to pay attention to that category early. We're talking about like 80 to 100 range here with both of these guys. Anderson probably does lose a little bit because he played so much last year at Power Forward, which really helped his value. Now, Grayson Allen has gone, so he'll get unfettered access to the three, really. They'll play a little bit of Dylan Brooks there. But with Jaron Jackson healthy, there's fewer minutes for Kyle to play at the four, plus Tillman and Clark and, uh, and Steve Adams are there as well. So very few minutes for him to play at the four, unfortunately. So that does drop a little bit from what he did last season. But these are two guys in that area of the draft, in that eighth round, ninth round, tenth round. And Anderson, yeah, slides quite a bit in quite a few drafts. So just just be uh, on the lookout for that. Now, Matt, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break your heart because I'm going to talk about Bilt Bar again. You haven't had the ability to taste these. Now, what flavor would you like in a Bilt Bar if, if we was to get our hands on something out here for you? We'll get, run me through the flavors again, Josh. Let's go through the flavors. We have got raspberry, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, double chocolate, salted caramel, Mint, brownie, coconut, and cherry. I love an orange flavor. Um, so I'd, that one would be a high on my priority. And I'm also a big mint fan. I know mint and orange can be, 
you know, polarizing when it's like a pineapple on pizza debate. People are very opinionated and very strong whether they like or dislike mint. Um, me, give me all the mint, give me all the orange. So I'll take those two flavors. They're both really good. I'll, I will uh, I will say that they are both really good flavors. And these aren't just delicious bars, Matt, because they're also healthy. 17 to 18 grams of protein, four to five grams of carbs, net carbs, four to five grams of sugar, and just 130 to 180 calories per bar. These are healthy protein bars that also double as a delicious treat. And you get 15% off by using the promo code LOCKED15 at built.com. So go to built.com. Find the box that you need, find the flavor you want, get the mixed box even so you can try them all out, but get 15% off by using the promo code LOCKED15 at built.com. Built Bar are the best tasting protein bars ever. Another question for you, Matt. Do you have a favorite NFL team? Um, I don't follow the NFL closely. However, I do have a soft spot for the New Orleans Saints. Um, A little bit different, largely because when Hurricane Katrina went through and then Drew Brees came in and they just rebuilt the city around the team and they went on to win the, uh, the Super Bowl when it was a bit of a, a fairy tale ending. So, um, yeah, lots of soft spot for the Saints and Drew Brees, one of the best um, autobiographies I've ever read as well. Just well, a little one for you as well. Haven't haven't read that one, but if you, so, are, if you are ready to bet on the New Orleans Saints or any football game, because football, we're a day away from it starting. You can go to Bet Online. It is the place to place all of your football bets. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest two hundred thousand dollar NFL Survivor contest. Be sure to take advantage also of their opening night super promo. Make a bet on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Dallas Cowboys, and if you lose, your bet will get refunded up to twenty five dollars for new customers who sign up using the promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, from football to basketball, boxing, or even your favorite Vegas casino games. So don't wait. Take advantage of all the offers they have for the 2021 season. BetOnline are your online sportsbook experts. Let's go tier tier 10. Maddie, um, Andy Wiggins, Miles Bridges. Some consternation, I guess, with Bridges, whether he starts or not this season. I think regardless of if he starts or not, he's going to have a pretty decent role. And I had a, not an argument, but a disagreement with Mike Barner on the uh, points league mock. He thought that Bridges would struggle to get, to get like 25 minutes. And I think, oh, I think you get 30, maybe 31 this year. So that is a difference of opinion there. Um, we've obviously got these guys in the same area. Wiggins, Matt was a little bit underrated. I think last season, I think he surprised some people with the way that he played. Yeah, he was pretty good at times, but um, you know, now with Otto Porter coming across, Clay Thompson coming back, um, Jordan Paul, you know, maybe taking another step forward. Um, not sure what Andrew Wiggins is going to do. Obviously, strong scoring, but that's about the only area where he helps you. Miles Bridges, I think he can, yeah, get maybe that 28 to 30 uh, minutes per game, which should be enough to keep him around the top 100. But, um, yeah, we're really going to need some some more steals and blocks, I think. Um in particular, for to, for him to boost his value, there's probably low upside for both of these guys um, because you said you know, Thompson will come back eventually, and with Bridges, there's Ubre and there's Haywood there now. If if those guys get hurt, then there is that push for more minutes. But it's hard to see them both, you know, really significantly improving on what they did last season outside of injuries, which are of course are really tough for us to be able to project. Uh, tier eleven. We've got three guys in this group. We've got Boyan Bogdanovich, we've got Harrison Barnes, and the depressed penis Sadiq Bay in this group. Now, very, very different players. Obviously, Bogdanovich and Barnes older, Bay younger. 
they contribute. Well, Bay and Bogdanovich aren't completely different as players, just in terms of being points and threes sort of guys, whereas Barnes really stepped up with uh, improved uh, assists and rebound numbers last season. But like Tier 10, Matt, I don't see huge upside with either or any of these guys. No, definitely not. Another pretty boring tier, unfortunately, and Harrison Barnes um, in particular. Um, Sadiq Bay, you know, maybe he increases, you know, um, and builds on his points and threes, but once again, really needs to do a lot more, particularly in some defensive areas. And Bogdanovich can have some really big games and go for 30 points, um, but then will struggle for a while as well. But um, if you need a a boost to your free throw percentage late, then Bogdanovich is one of the better options. Yeah, and uh, he struggled really, really significantly to start last season and then came home pretty strong, which was more in line with his 19-20 season. So hopefully he's able to maintain that level of production for the full season rather than having that issue where he came in uh, with that uh, torn wrist ligament, which caused him to miss the bubble down in Orlando in Tier 12. It's Joe Ingles and DeAndre Hunter. Now, I know which one of these I would take out of this group. Um because we're factoring in your upside in that group. Now, Hunter was really, really good and then hurt his knee and then was actually quit pretty bad once he came back. How much credence do we give to the knee injury making him struggle when he returned? Or was that 20-game period before the injury just a complete hot streak outlier? So we've got them together, but to me, Hunter is the one out of those two that, that I take pretty much every time. Yeah, I agree. We know what Joe Engels can do. Good passer, can hit the three. Um, but DeAndre Hunter, um, really high ceiling. Um, the Hawks do still have a, a lot of depth on, on the wing, which is a concern. Um, but, you know, Danilo Gallinari can't stay healthy and uh, maybe a couple of others. Um, the injury bug starts to hit. So um, out of the two, definitely Hunter for me as well. Let's go on to Tier 13 as we wrap these uh, small forwards up. We've got a bunch of guys in this group here. The wild thing, Jay Sean Tate, Dunk Robinson, Nick Batum, Cali Oubre, Jay Crowder, Reggie Bullock. Are any of those like to me? They're all they're all guys that you look at maybe in the last round, but with very very low upside for all of them. Yeah, correct. Duncan Robinson and Reggie Bullock, elite threes. Nick Batum, some defensive stats. Um, Kelly Oubre, which one is going to turn up this season? The good or the bad? Jay Crowder, maybe some good points and threes, but I. I'd like to see more Cam Johnson um, instead of Jay Crowder this season. Jay Sean Tate came from nowhere last season and was brilliant. But how does that translate again into this season with some more pieces around him? Yeah, it's going to be tough for him to replicate what he did last season. I think just because you know, they're bringing Daniel Tyson, Jalen Green, and you get uh, hopefully more games out of Christian Wood, whereas Tate was able to stay healthy pretty much all season and played a large role. And I think that might just take somewhat of a step back. And, and let, Tier 14 is pretty interesting here, Matt, because a lot of people are really high on Keldon Johnson, who we've got in this group with Otto Porter, Royce O'Neill, and Dinla Gallinari. O'Neill, absolutely zero upside. Porter's got some upside, but again, injuries, is it's hard to take that chance there. And Gallinari also injuries, and also probably harder for him to get minutes given the guys in front of him. But let's focus a little bit on Keldon, because people are so... In, oh, he's going he's gonna to blow up this year. He's going to take all of this usage that DeMar DeRozan had, and he's going to be this... People are talking about getting him in like the 70s, or 80s, I've heard, which feels insane for a bloke that I think averaged less than one combined steals and blocks last season, doesn't get assists either, and he's, you're going to have to rely upon him becoming an efficient, high-volume scorer, and I just, I don't think it happens, but I don't mind him as a last pick, I just have very little, I don't think that that big fantasy breakout is coming for Calden because of the deficiencies in just so many areas of his game. Yeah, I don't have a real lot of confidence either. And you talk about the steals and blocks. We've got him projected for 0.8 steals and 0.3 blocks. 
and then just the 1.13. So he's really going to need to contribute in points and rebounds and efficiency in particular just to keep him relevant. And then we're seriously going to need um, to see some more um, productivity in those other areas as well. Yeah, because he, he, he struggled so much last year, too, especially as the season wore on. He, the shooting was off and he didn't score very much. He, he brings And he's got that reputation. I, I had this discussion with someone. Um, they were talking about you know, drafting Kelton Johnson. Like, oh, I'll, I'll draft Kelton Johnson because of his stocks. He's a great 3 and D guy. And I said, maybe have a look. That the fact that he doesn't get literally any defensive stats at all and didn't while he was in college. And they went, oh, yeah, I just sort of assumed that he did. And I think that's a, an assumption people have. But he doesn't. He just doesn't generate any of those numbers whatsoever. So maybe that changes. But yeah, and he's fine. Like I'd definitely take him over Royce O'Neill and Daniel Gallinari in this area, and definitely over Otto Porter. Because at least I know Kelden's got a strong role. But before we you know, jump too far and start t- taking him pick one hundred or one hundred and ten, like we have to understand the limitations of his uh, overall fantasy game. Yep, completely agree, mate. Matt, that'll do it for us with small forward tiers. We'll be back. Later on today, tomorrow, I don't know when it's going to be. We're going to record it straight after this. This is a spoiler alert, but I don't know when it's going to be released. And we're going to talk power forwards after that. Matt, people can find you on Twitter where? Find me on Twitter at SPN Sports. Find Josh on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble. And we'll see you for power forwards. Got my uh, got my hype man over here giving out my details, guys. Don't forget, follow this podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app and on YouTube. Give it a thumbs up, ring a bell, subscribe, notifications, comments, all that great stuff, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.